Well, thank you guys for joining us this morning. Our service is a little bit different uh, than normal, so if you're visiting uh, with us, um, yes, this isn't normal, which I'm not sure if that's even a good definition for us on a regular Sunday, so that's okay. Um, but we are celebrating communion today, and uh, I was just so grateful uh, for uh, John and the team uh, to put together the skit for us today, so I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I really appreciated the creativity in the in the, the different blends of uh, Christianity or the, the relationship that was offered and rejected. I just really appreciated the work that they did there. So um, this morning, we're going to take just a few minutes uh, and, uh, and look at a passage in Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. As we prepare for communion, um, we're going to switch it up just a little bit. We're going to take communion at the end of the service today, but we're going to take just a minute and talk through um, this passage in Hebrews. And the reason that that we're making a bit of a change, and we're not in the Gospel of Mark today, uh, is because as we were coming out of this Easter and, and the whole process of Easter, one of the things that grabbed me um, was how much we struggle with, I think, accepting the fact that Christ's blood and the new covenant covers our sins. Uh, as we saw demonstrated in the, the skit, uh, I don't know how many of you guys um, feel like uh, you struggle with sin still, and, and, and at times feel like failures, or you come under attack, and, and there's just an angst in our hearts when we read the Scripture, and we see who God is, and then we recognize in our own issues, our own lives, the weaknesses that we have, and the struggles that we face. Um, I hope at least one of you is agreeing with me on that, that this is an issue for us, so I'm not alone, um, but I feel like at times, man, Lord, I just want to get it right. I'm tired of being a mess and um, tired of messing things up. And so I jumped in uh, to Hebrews, and I was reading through that, and I was just convicted that it, it, this is a topic and a discussion we should have before we take communion this week. So would you turn in your Bibles uh, to, to Hebrews chapter 10 and read with me 11 through 18 this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which, he can, which can never take away sin. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. What we came out of Easter uh, hopefully what we saw as we came out of Easter was that Jesus Christ paid the payment for our sins. His sacrifice, His blood was the beginning of this new covenant. Um, we're going to look at, a, a, just briefly, a couple of passages. Uh, one is the, the reference in Jeremiah, but the first thing that I, I want us to see is, how was John the Baptist, how did he introduce Jesus? If you look in your Bibles, John uh, chapter 1, verse 29 John the Baptist is out baptizing people, and Jesus shows up at this baptism, and this is what John says to the people in John 1, 29. 
The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There's a whole bunch that's happening in here, and we're not going to have time to address all of the issues. Um, but I'm, I've been wrestling with in my own heart, do I believe that what, what Hebrews here is telling us? Did you catch the phrasing of verse 14? We're going to skip down to verse 14. I know there's a ton more that we could look at, but we're going to just focus on a couple key passages or verses this morning. Verse 14, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Did anybody else see the tension in that? Okay, let me explain it to you just so you can feel my tension. So he says in the verse that for all time, that's before, after, that's all time. It's, it's everything that is measured in time. For all time with one sacrifice, he has perfected those. Is what, what, that word is past tense, perfected. It, it means to be complete, to be finished, done. He's completed the process. How many of you feel complete? That's the tension, right? He says that for all time with one sacrifice, he's perfected those who are being sanctified, who are being set apart and made holy. And it's in this process of being set apart and made holy that we find ourselves fighting and battling against the flesh, right? That's where this tension resides. But here's the problem, and I think this is the problem for us, even as we come to communion and we come to repentance, is that so often we get stuck on the fact that we're still in a mess and we forget what the Bible says about who we are in Christ. It is through Christ's death on the cross, it is this one sacrifice that has perfected us who are being sanctified. Before God, we are, our sins are paid for, they're done. For all time. Can you guys get a hold of that? All time. It's done. It's paid for. Now, I get it. I love that in verse 17, he says he will remember their sins no more. Where there is forgiveness in verse 18, there's no longer an offering for sin. Can you imagine how much that had to mess with the, with the Jews of that day, the Pharisees and their sacrificial system? This was a problem for them. That's why there was such a battle to go back to the religiousness of the Judaizers. Because what Jesus offered was something complete was something finished. And you and I and the people of Jesus' day struggle to understand the process of being made holy. We really want a microwave Christianity. Wouldn't it be great if we all just accepted Jesus, we said one prayer, and we were done? Probably not, because he'd have to take us home, right? Be like, accept Jesus, see ya. He doesn't, that's not what he's doing. This is part of his plan. It's an amazing thing. But let's not forget the fact that we're in a battle. We are in a terrible, terrible struggle. Look in Galatians chapter 5. And the only reason we're taking a second to look at this this morning is because I want to encourage you, as this has been an encouragement to me, and I want to address the fact that this is real. This is something that we struggle with. This isn't, this isn't just because some of you are more messed up than others. It's the truth. It's the reality of the life that we live. In Galatians 5 verse 16, Paul says this, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We are in a battle, and we are in a standoff between the flesh and the Spirit. The things of the flesh, which if if you really want to um, you know, prepare yourself for a good dinner. Just read a few verses past 18. It gives you all the flesh issues, all the, all the things that we struggle with as humans and, and we fight with in our hearts and in, in our flesh. I want to encourage you that, yes, this is a real battle. I struggle with my flesh. We, we all laugh about car issues. Somebody came and confessed to me their car issues uh, today, and I just want to say, well done. We all have really easy sins to talk about. We all have easy things that we struggle with. But there's, there's deep, hard things that we would never come and put on screen here. You know that, right? If we had like a, like a preview your life each week before you could come in, none of you would all show up to church, would you? There's not a, no, not one. I wouldn't be here. That'd scare me to death if you guys saw every single thing that happened that God saw. We could call it God vision. Nobody even show up. Why? Because we all know that we're in this battle. We all know that there's this flesh. But here's the beauty of this truth. This is the amazing part. This is what Easter means. This is what Jesus means for you and for me. Look in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31. Remember when we talked a few weeks back about how every time that Jesus, or there was a prophecy about Jesus, or we started seeing prophecies coming in the Old Testament about the Messiah that was coming, and and I could be wrong that it's every time, but I believe everything that I've seen so far, it seems like every time that there's a prophecy of Jesus, people are either under discipline, they're being rebuked by God, or they're in captivity. It's It's some combination of they've done something wrong, and Jesus or God himself is actually directing to them the instructions to change or the consequences that are coming. And in the midst of that, there are these beautiful moments of prophecy of the coming Messiah. And we have one here in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. This is the same text. This is the text that the author of Hebrews is quoting as he references this fact that we have been perfected for all time, by the blood of Jesus, but we are still being sanctified. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Jesus is the new covenant. When we take communion, when we read in 1 Corinthians, Paul is reciting back to us what Jesus said. It's the new covenant in his blood. 
It's the fulfillment of the prophecy that we see in Jeremiah. You know the beauty, the beauty of this whole thing? Look back just a couple of pages. You're going to love this. This is in Jeremiah. This is before the prophecy of that moment. Jeremiah chapter, nine, or, uh, chapter 17, verse 9. I love this because this is encouraging to me. Uh, Jeremiah says this. Actually, it's the Lord that says this in Jeremiah. Verse 9 of chapter 17. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to get every man according to his ways according to the fruit of his deeds. It is this same God that knows yours and my heart, that knows the deeds of our thoughts. It's the same God that said, I will make a new covenant with you. And when that new covenant is established, I will remember your sins no more. They will be complete and paid for. When you come to the communion table today, we're going we're gonna to exercise something. You, hopefully, you all got one as you came in, a sheet of paper. I had one up here, but I think it disappeared. Do you have a small sheet of paper with you somewhere? We have placed pencils in the front of your, in the aisle in front of you. This is a personal, private, quiet, just you and God thing. But I want to encourage you today. We're going to, as we get ready to take communion, I want to encourage you to do some business with the Lord. I don't know if it's fear. I don't know if it's accusation. I don't know if there's active sin in your life. I don't know what the situations are, but many of us live lives in the bondage of sin that's already paid for. Many of us live in fear of a, of a just God who's already counted us as righteous. He's already paid the price. Many of us live under accusation from the enemy who's accusing us of things that are completely paid for and gone. And yet we find ourselves incapacitated and crumpled up at times as Christians, ineffective in our testimony, ineffective in our ability to walk and to share the good news of the gospel. Because so many times, I think we forget about the complete work of the cross. Brothers and sisters, if you have made a profession of faith, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you are forgiven. It's done. That all-time thing? Tomorrow's forgiven. Done. Now, I know the caution. This isn't license. Go out, do whatever you want. I get that. Don't do that. We'll slap you around later. That's the process of being sanctified. God's in the process of changing our hearts, changing our lives. But we have got to accept what the Word of God says about the truth of who He is and what He's done on the cross. You and I are free, free, because of what He did. So this morning, I want to ask you to do something for me. Before you come up and take communion, and it's going to be personal this morning. We're not going to gather back up and do it. So when you come up, just take communion, pray, and, and, and take of the elements that will be there. But when you come up, we have, we have buckets of water sitting right in front of them somewhere close by. And that paper that we gave you is a special paper. And I want you to write down whatever it is that's holding you back, whatever, whatever it is that you are holding on to today. Whether it's active sin, it's doubt, it's fear. Maybe what you need to put on there is, Jesus, I don't know you. 
I want to get to know you. Whatever it is you need to put down on there, I want you to write it down on that paper. When you throw it into that bucket of water, you stand there until it's gone. But it's going to disappear. You're not going to be able to pick it back up. Because that's what Jesus did with yours and my sin. And we got to let this stuff go. We've got to stop living in this bondage. There will be a whole bunch of sermons about how we're going to take the hill and challenge sin and do all of that. But this morning, as we go to communion, I would ask that you do the serious work in your heart with the Lord. What is it that he paid for that you're still holding on to? What is it that he paid for that the enemy is still accusing you of? What is it that he paid for that you know you're not supposed to be doing, but you're choosing to do it anyway? Would you give that up this morning? Just between you and the Lord. No counts, no head counts, no hand raising, just you and the Lord. Father, thank you this morning. I thank you that your work is complete. God, I don't understand that. The tension that I feel in my heart as I, as I struggle with sinful attitudes and, and actions that are appalling to me. It makes me question, how can you say it's done when I'm so undone? But God, I see in your word that we are supposed to believe in a God who lives outside of time, that your love is greater than my sin, that the, the, the work of Christ on the cross is finished, it's perfect and complete. So God, I ask you to help me in my unbelief. Help our body this morning in the areas where we struggle to believe that this is true. And I pray this morning as we come in confession and humble ourselves before you, that you would meet us at the table. And that, Father, you would bring freedom to us. For some, it may be the first time. For some, it may be a forgotten experience. I pray, Father, that you would meet us at the table this morning. Transform our hearts to be like you as you are making us holy and setting us apart in your name. Amen. This will just be a quiet time um, between you and the Lord. There will be a little bit of music. Anybody need any paper at all? Do, do we have anybody that we're missing? I see Mike. Anybody else? I need, I need one. I don't have any. I got... Nope. That stuff doesn't disappear. I don't want that. Thank you, sir. So as you feel led, um, just make your way up and, and uh, do this between with you and the Lord. If you haven't taken it now, go ahead and partake um, together. Lord, you know the condition of each heart that's here. God, you know every fear, you know every doubt, every anxiety, every accusation. You know everything that would keep us bound up. And yet your word says that it is done, it is finished. God, we desperately need you to meet us in these moments, to teach our hearts. That when you say it's done, it's done. 
I pray, Father, that, that, that we would experience a freedom from this bondage, the, these bonds that would hold each person are different. I, I understand that. But, Lord, that you would give us freedom even this week, that as we do our life, as we exist at the shopping malls, at the, at the grocery stores, at the gas stations, on the freeway with other people, Lord, that there would be joy in our hearts, not because our circumstances have changed, but because we understand that we are yours. I'm going to encourage you this morning, if, if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, I would ask that you would grab somebody next to you, or, or myself, or in, anybody, just grab somebody. And ask them. If they don't know, then come and get me. But I would ask that you would take this time today and, and as you have opportunity, even as you leave this morning, to really wrestle with the question, Lord, do I believe this? Is it changing how I live? Father, I thank you that we come before you this morning forgiven. your kingdom, in your view, your son's death was enough. Help us to believe that as well.